Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So today we are continuing our series on Abraham. Uh, What I said last week is as kind of a reminder. Sometimes we look at at this book, at at the Bible, and we just see a bunch of stories. And we, we don't fully understand that sometimes when we look at the stories in Scripture, they there really are stories. There are our faults, our failures, our moments of grace, our, our, our moments of peace. So my hope is we spend uh, last week and the next three weeks looking at the story of Abraham. We can understand a little bit more about who he was and a little bit more about how his life can echo our life. So I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Would you pray with me, please? Dear God, we thank you. We thank you for your promises in our lives. And we thank you for the opportunity to dig into your word. And we thank you for the story of Abraham. And as we move through that story, we ask that you let the words of my mouth And the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So if you remember last week, we talked about uh, the beginning of Abraham's story. He was uh, living with his family in Ur, and his dad moved him and his brothers to a land called Haran. And then from that moment, when Abraham was 75 years old, God called him to go to a new land. God called him to go on this this amazing journey. And that journey would lead to something else. That journey would lead to blessings. Not only for Abraham, but also for for us. That, That Abraham's journey was a blessing so that he may be a blessing to, to everyone. And we, we trace our, our, our spiritual lineage through Abraham. But then something happens. Several things happen in the life of Abraham, and where we see that his faithfulness turns into a moment where we see the flawed side of Abraham. We see that he kind of wavers back and forth, and while we lift up this, this great man of faith, we see where he stumbles and where he falls. And I would have to admit that when I look at the flawed side of Abraham, I have a tendency to look at my own life, where I am not so willing to trust what God has called me to do or whether I would much rather go my own way instead of where I know God is calling me and leading me to go. 
So our scripture, we pick up our scripture from uh, Genesis chapter 12. Uh, last week we kind of were in verses 1 through 9. We're going to start today in verse 10. So I want you to listen and hear the struggles or the challenges that, that Abraham had as he moved into this new land that God has given him. So when a famine struck the land, Abram went down towards Egypt to live as an immigrant since the famine was so severe in the land. Just before he arrived in Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know that you are a good-looking woman, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me but let you live. So tell them you are my sister so that they will treat me well for your sake, and I will survive because of you. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw how beautiful his wife was, And when Pharaoh's princess saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's household. Things went well for Abram. Because of her, he acquired flocks, cattle, male donkeys, and men servants, women servants, female donkeys, and camels. Then the Lord struck Pharaoh and his household with a severe plague because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram and said, What's this you've done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say, she's my sister, so that I made her my wife? Now here's your wife. Take her and go. Pharaoh gave his men orders concerning Abram, and they expelled him with his wife and everything he had. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Man, isn't that just such an incredible story? I mean, it, this is just amazing just to read it, and it really just blows my mind every single time I read the story of Abraham. The first thing that blows my mind is that we were spending the first nine verses of, of chapter 12 talking about this great promise that God was giving Abram, and, and Abram left everything just to go to this new land, and we come to verse 10. After Abram has moved and he's getting himself settled, and we see that a famine strikes the land. So God has promised Abram all of this stuff, and when he gets to where God has told him to go, there's a famine. And Abram's looking around going, wait a minute, Apparently, I didn't read the fine print, but I really didn't see this as a part of the deal. So Abram picks up his whole family and moves to Egypt. And he lives in Egypt among the people, but that's not all that he does. He, he realizes that, well, there's something with my wife that might get me in trouble. Well, not only in trouble, might get me dead, So technically, you know, Sarai was Abram's sister or half-sister. So just just tell him that and and, and we'll be fine. 
And, and things went great for Abram. He got all of this stuff from Pharaoh. Uh, Sarai was, was held in high esteem. And then when God came to Pharaoh, he struck him down with illnesses. And, and, and Abram was like, you know, I don't know what's going on here. But Pharaoh said, you, you just take your wife and you just go. Without a single consequence. That's what, that's what I read whenever I see this. Abram does not have a single consequence that befalls him because of what happened. That doesn't seem fair to me. That seems kind of odd. But let's move on into a little more of Abraham's story. Abram and Sarai wanted a child so bad, and, and Sarai was, was barren. And they kept praying to God and kept praying to God. And finally, an angel comes and tells Abram and Sarai that they will give birth to a son. This is another one of those fun moments of Scripture where Sarai is listening on outside the tent and she starts to laugh. And the Scripture says that, that the angel comes and confronts Sarai and says, I heard you laugh. And she says, no, I didn't. So, oh, yeah, you did laugh. So all of these promises that, that God has given him, time passes. And Abram and Sarai get kind of worried because she's getting older and older and realizes that she probably can't give birth to a child. So Sarai says, oh, I'm going to take things in my own hands and I'm going to give Abram my servant Hagar. And Hagar gave birth to Abram's son Ishmael. And all of this starts another circle of deceit, circle of mistrust, circle of unfamiliarity with the God who gives promises. And then finally, the third deception that we have, again, it's another traveling story. Abraham and Sarah, Sarah at this time, they go to a new land where they meet up with King Amalek, and, and Amalek, he's so taken by Sarah's beauty, and once again, he comes and he sweeps her up and takes her off to the palace. Abraham, Abraham is given all of these stuff, only to find out again, whoops, that's that man's wife, so I better not mess with him or mess with her again. And the king releases Sarah to Abraham again, and, and they are blessed and we're left again with these mind or brain-scratching questions about what exactly is going on here. See, it doesn't quite seem fair to me. But I think the answer and, and what we can take from the story of Abraham, that it's not about disobedience. Although disobedience is a big part of what we see here in these three stories. It's all about God's grace. It's all about God's grace being something real in Abraham's life. And not only Abraham's life, but those people that Abraham has wronged. God extended grace to them as well. So we hear about Abraham's grace, don't we? You know, both times where he deceives the Pharaoh and the king, he gets all of this stuff and is sent back to his homeland. 
We, we know that God's grace of, is poured out on him because even after the birth of Ishmael, Sarah becomes pregnant and gives birth to Isaac. But God's grace is not only for Abraham and Abraham's family. It's for Pharaoh, who after God releases Abraham to go back home, he, he frees Pharaoh and allows Pharaoh to, to not be punished with disease. The other king, he, he, he un, unlocks their, his wives, and they are able to have children, and they are able to live in the promises, and even in the story with Haggai and Ishmael. As Sarah tries to, to push them out of their lives, and, and they're roaming in the wilderness, God comes to them in their distress and in their need and takes care of them and promises that not only will a great nation come from Isaac, but a great nation will also come from Ishmael. See, this is God's grace. And I look at it and go, man, this is really weird. This is really un. Fair, but when we look at the stories of Jesus, he tells us that grace is not fair. Grace is this gift that, that God gives to each and every one of us that Jesus even shares in one of his parables. In Matthew chapter 20, he, he shares a parable about this landowner who has a bunch of crops that need to be taken care of. So he goes out early in the morning and he, he gathers up some workers. He says, come work out of my fields and I'll give you a fair day's wage for working. And then at nine o'clock, he goes out again and finds more and says, come in and work for me. He does the same thing at, at noon. And then at five o'clock in the afternoon, he goes out again and he brings in all of these workers to come and work in the vineyard. And as they come and as they work, they, they get all of the job done and they come back to the landowner at the end of the day, starting with those who came at five o'clock. And he passes on to them the daily wage. And then those that came at noon, the same. And so the ones that were there all day, they started to get excited because of, man, if they're going to pay the people that were here at 5 o'clock a, a fair day's wage, just think of what he is going to pay us. The 9 o'clock crowd came, and he paid them a fair day's wage. And then those who were there all day working hard were also given that exact same wage, and they started to grumble. They started to complain. They said, how in the world could you do that to us? You gave us the exact same amount as those that only worked a couple of hours. And the landowner says, why are you concerned about my generosity? I promised you a fair daily wage. And if I wanted to give someone who was only here a couple of hours that same amount well, that's my business. My friends, that's how God is with his grace. For those of us who have, have stayed, who, who have been faithful all through our lives, for those who just 
at the last moment call on the love and grace of God, we get the same thing. We get God's unmerited love and favor. And I will have to admit, that kind of chaps my hide a little bit. You know, if we are, are working to be faithful and, and I don't get more stuff than someone else who just comes along at the last moment, how is that fair? But it isn't fair. And you know what? I'm thankful for that. I am so thankful that God's grace is not fair. See, things happen in life. You know, for Abram, it was a famine. It was a promise to a wife that she would give birth to a son that took a long time to happen. There was another journey that placed them in a place where it wasn't safe. So they took steps to, to make things right the way they were for them. And we have a tendency to do that ourselves, don't we? We know that God's promises are for us as well. And that God calls and gives us these promises. But something happens in life. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Or maybe it's a relationship that is fractured. Or maybe something is happening at work that we are just so bottled up about. So we start taking side steps to try to make things work for us right then and right there. But God's grace works in and through all of these things so that in the end, we are held by the promises that God has given us. And we have a picture of, of grace. I uh, saw a pastor recently talk about this, about swivel chair theology. And what swivel chair theology is that God sits in this swivel chair. I tried to bring one over, but I didn't know exactly where I would put it up here. But he would sit in this swivel chair to kind of watch it, to give approval. Okay, you're doing, doing pretty good. But then that moment that we feel like we are, are messing up or that we fail to do what God wants us to do, he just swivels around and he turns his back against us. So what, we, what do we start doing? We start performing harder or we start trying to, to, to make things right and we try to work as hard as we can to make God love us again. And we think that we see God turning back around and giving us his approval. Only the next time that we mess up, he turns back around again. And we start playing this game where God is all he's doing is just turning around in a circle around and around and around. 
But the good news, my friends, is that that's not how God, that's not how God works. God is not waiting to gain our, waiting for us to gain his approval. God is always madly in love with you. And God always cares for you. So when we're like Abraham and Sarah, and we decide to go off on our own way because we think we know better, God is always there waiting for us. God is always there calling us back to let us know that his grace is sufficient for us. And my hope and my prayer is as those moments come in our lives where we feel like we need to stray because our way is better than God's way, that we stop and we refocus and we hear God's promise in our lives so that we may live that life, that abundant life that comes from our Savior. Would you please pray with me? Dear God, as we continue to move through our lives, we know that life can be challenging. Life can give us struggles. But God, we pray that you allow us to see that your grace is enough for us. We don't have to put on acts. We don't have to try to do things on our own. That your faithfulness will always be there for us. So Lord, we pray that you guide us and lead us so that we may hear your call in our lives and so that we can respond faithfully for all to see your love in us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.